0: had the chance to meet you yet. My name is Norman, and I'm the community pastor for Gateway Dripping Springs. Anybody from Dripping Springs in here this morning? Hey, yeah, how to do that. Well, just so glad that all of you are here this morning as we celebrate going from death to life. That's the message of Easter. So at Easter, we're remembering that Jesus triumphed over death in order to bring us to life, a life more fulfilling than maybe we've ever thought or imagined possible. So all of us have dead things in our lives, but with God's power, those dead things can be brought back to life, because Easter is the celebration of a victory over death that God offers all of us. But what that victory is and what it means, and how it relates to real life, and how it relates to that first Easter Sunday, that can get confusing. You know, there's so many ideas associated with Easter, like Jesus's crucifixion, the stone being rolled away, the resurrection, and there's Easter bunnies, and Easter eggs, and marshmallow pastel everything, right? So, it can be confusing. The American style Christmas can, I mean, I'm sorry, Easter can be confusing. And Christmas too, for that matter. So maybe you grew up like me and Christmas and Easter are those two times a year of the year that you might show up at church. And, and for, I don't know about for you, but for me, it was painful to try to stay awake during that traditional church service. So um, recently we received this email. It's a, it was a story about a little seven-year-old boy named Alex. And he was at church one Sunday, and he noticed this plaque up on the wall, and it had all these names on it, and there was an American flag on either side of it, and he was standing there looking at that plaque, and the pastor noticed and came and stood beside him. And then the little boy turned to the pastor after a second, and he said, Pastor, why are all these names on the wall? And the pastor said, well, son, this is a memorial to all the men and women who have died in the service. They stood there for a second longer, and then the little boy looks at the pastor and says, which service was it, the 9 o'clock or the 10.30? (laughs) So, unfortunately, I don't know about you, but my experience in church when I was growing up was it felt a little bit more dead than life-giving. Which is why we've tried to bring life at Gateway. And we love to laugh. And we love to help people understand that every good gift of life comes from God. God is about life, not death. And we're a church that says, come as you are. And maybe you're here and you're skeptical about all of this this morning. Maybe it sounds like myth and fairy tale to you. That's okay. It's perfectly fine. You're in the right place, I promise. Because that's where I started, and that's where so many of us started. So we're not afraid of the tough questions and the doubts and the struggles that you may be going through. Because we know, we believe that if you'll keep an open mind and an open heart, and you really seek to understand, that we've watched thousands of people find something real and life-giving in a relationship with God. So for those of us who've been following Jesus for a while, we understand this morning that we're here to worship and to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. This is a place that you can grow. And part of growing this morning is reflecting on where you might feel dead and where you need life. Because Jesus came to give us all victory over death and to lead us into life. So you guys received the stone as you came in this morning. If you didn't get one, feel free to hold your hand up. We'd love to bring you one. But this stone is a representation of what Easter is all about historically and personally. The stone was rolled away. We want to start with a reminder about Easter historically because not all of us learned the history. History is not just a Mythological story, and Jesus isn't just a legend. Now, if you listen to the word on the street, you, you might get that impression. But if you seek truth, you'll realize that history confirms what happened two thousand years ago, and historians agree, whether believers or not, on some basic historical historical facts about Jesus. For instance. They all believe that Jesus, for three and a half years, traveled throughout Galilee and Judea, teaching about God's kingdom, healing people, and doing miraculous things that drew a large following. They agree that Jesus clashed with the religious establishment, calling out their greed and their self-centered motives, and eventually those religious leaders, they convinced the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, to crucify Jesus. And these things are written about not just in the Bible, but they're written by Jewish and Roman historians who also mention that many believed that Jesus was the long foretold Messiah of God who would save us all. So that first Easter weekend, it began with the darkest day in history. As Jesus, who taught and demonstrated the love of God for all humanity... He was nailed to a wooden cross as he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that Friday night on Passover, Jesus hung and he died outside Jerusalem. It's real history.
1: It's history foretold by God. History confirmed it happened. And God told us in advance what he would do. So that we could know it's not a myth, it's not a legend, it's not a fairy tale. It's the story of God bringing us victory over death, the offer of life. Friday, death had come, but Sunday was coming. And for us, Sunday is here. See, God gave us this assurance that in our Friday nights of life, where our dreams or our very life seems headed for death, that we can hold on to hope that Sunday is coming. God's victory, God's life is available. One of the more remarkable prophecies... Comes from Isaiah 52 and 53, and there are many of them. But this one is so accurate that many Jewish people were surprised to see it in their scriptures and have come to follow him as the Messiah. It's so accurate that people have said it cannot have been written before Jesus, it must have been written after the fact. But we actually have scientific proof with the Dead Sea Scrolls and radiocarbon dating. That hundreds of years before Jesus ever came, the prophet Isaiah said words that you can go online and read from those ancient manuscripts. Listen to how remarkable this is. It says this, Isaiah 52. See my servant, referring to the Messiah, will prosper and he will be exalted and lifted up and will be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so was he marred in his appearance more than any human. Surely he has borne our sufferings and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that made us whole was upon him. And by his bruises we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sins of us all. The death of Jesus that Friday night was foretold. Jesus would come and give his life for you and me. But he wasn't just coming to die. He was coming to have victory over death. The eyewitnesses that were there described how two Pharisees, religious leaders, actually took Jesus' body after he was crucified and put him in one of the tombs the one owned by Joseph of Arimathea. They had seen him teach with authority and heal people, even raise someone from the dead. They had come to believe that he was the Messiah. They saw the love that he had for all people. And they placed him in the tomb. And the Roman soldiers rolled the large stone across the entrance to seal Jesus' body and death. The stone you hold in your hand or have dropped at some point in our time together. It is just a reminder of the stone that sealed the tomb. See, God foretold that this would happen. Listen to how specific this is. He continues in Isaiah 53. He was cut off from the land of the living, then made his grave with the wicked, Then they made his grave with the wicked and with rich people his tomb. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. As Jesus hung on the cross between two thieves, they were preparing a mass grave for their bodies. But he was not buried there. He was buried in Joseph Arimathea's tomb. A wealthy man. Only the wealthy could own such a tomb. See, Jesus didn't just come to die. He came to conquer death and all that it represents. So I want to ask you a question that Norman posed to us earlier. Are there any areas of your life that feel more dead than alive? Maybe you're stuck in Friday, but you need Sunday to come. Are there places where you feel shut in the cold, damp tomb of life with a big, huge stone blocking the light of life? something that seems too big for you to move. The stone in your hand represents the rock that rolled over the tomb that has kept part of your life dead. For some of you, this stone represents an addiction that's stealing, killing, or destroying your life. Maybe you've owned up to it and you're trying to overcome it, or maybe you're unaware or in denial. But you can't seem to stop working. You can't seem to stop looking at your phone. You can't stop binge-watching TV or watching shows that aren't good for your heart or soul or mind. You continue to remain isolated. Or you can't stop eating too much or eating unhealthy. Or drinking or smoking nightly just to take the edge off. Or getting drunk on the weekends or turning towards sexual pleasure as an addiction, or going to websites that exploit other people. And the irony is you thought, in our freedom, I can do this. It it will bring fun. It will bring excitement. It's an escape. But now you're locked in a dark, damp tomb that's killing the fullness of life that God wants to give you. When you go through recovery, as I have, you discover that when you actually surrendered your will and ways to God, instead of doing your own thing, you actually find freedom. You find victory. For some of you, that stone might represent how dead you feel at work or at school or in life. It's just the same thing day after day, and you find life just being drained from you. You have this deep longing for something more meaningful, but you don't know where to find it. And you keep thinking, well, maybe a career change or a new boss or a new job or a new town. Maybe that's what will bring what you're looking for. But here's the catch. Everywhere you go, that's where you are. If that's you, will you give him that stone? For some of you, that stone represents a place in which you need healing. Perhaps that's healing for physical or emotional or relational health. Or maybe it's for mental health. And maybe you've been praying and those prayers don't seem to be answered. You know, we're so glad that you're here today. In fact, there's so many of us over these, this morning that we've had three services. Next week, well, I want to invite you back. If you're new or you just came to hang out with family or friends, come back next week, 9-15, 11-15, and we're going to dive into a series I'll be sharing about prayer, an ancient practice that can help you experience peace, the peace you've always longed for and connect with God. Now, this has been a hard year for many of us, as there's a good friend who's been on staff Our care pastor, Mike Papali, has been fighting cancer. For the past year, Mike has been fighting so hard with so many ups and so many downs. And just a couple days ago, in a conversation with Mike and Kay, I was told, they told me they're moving back home. Mike will be on hospice. As the doctors say, there's nothing more that they can do. But I want you to know we're telling you this because we're still praying for a miracle. But the remarkable thing in having a conversation with Mike this week is the peace that he has regardless of the outcome. See, that's the thing. When you consider the area in your life that needs healing, sometimes we don't get the kind of healing that we want, but God can be with us through the painful experience and can bring us supernatural peace. But sometimes God does answer our prayers and heals us instantaneously. Other times He might heal us spiritually and then invite us in a journey that requires stepping into community, going to counseling, going to a doctor, going to recovery, restore, or all of the above. If the pain that you feel, Is from injustice. You need to know that God has promised that one day he will bring justice. And even today, he can bring healing of those memories and those wounds so that you can be whole again. Maybe it's your marriage that seems lifeless and hopeless. You both feel so alone and so hurt. The love that brought you together feels dead. I want you to know there's hope. As hard as marriage got for me and my wife there were other people that gave us hope and through counseling through working recovery we became closer than we ever had before out of that crisis maybe for you that that describes where you're at I want to just encourage you maybe it's something as simple as just going to our prayer team afterwards and asking them to pray for your marriage Or maybe coming to the workshop we'll do on May 7th for married couples or those who are engaged. Or maybe the relational healing you need is with your teenager. I mean, everything was great growing up as they've grown up, and then they hit 13. My kids, it was 15. They were late bloomers when things got really hard. But, you know, this Wednesday... Peter and I, along with Amon and and others, we're going to walk parents and teenagers through understanding your uniqueness through the Myers-Briggs, a personality indicator. But we can find healing from God and peace in the process. Have you fully turned to him for healing? Or have you given up? Maybe today he wants to breathe hope back into your heart If you need healing, we'll, and this stone represents where you need healing, would you lay that stone at the cross? Will you ask God to lead and guide you so those wounds can be healed? Maybe you're in a really good place with God. You spend time with Jesus every day. You're, you're part of a community of people who follow Jesus. You're helping others grow and helping others find faith. I want you to know that if that describes you, you have, you have more that God wants for you. You have not yet arrived, that there may be things that you don't even know he has to reveal to you of ways to surrender. Blind spots, he wants to heal. Just lean into your relationship with him and lean into community. And he can move you towards a place of even deeper intimacy. See, God is one who moves the stone that feels immovable. You can trust him. He wants to bring life and hope to you. Or maybe some of you are here and perhaps you're struggling with grief because you lost someone you love. That's where the wound is. Many of you know my dad passed away this fall. My wife and I helped my mom over the course of several months as he just got progressively worse with Alzheimer's and cancer. And I can tell you that it's, It's been really, really hard, harder than I could have imagined. I found myself struggling with doubting God. In fact, before my dad died, there was a moment where I just cried out to God, God, I need what I say I believe to be true. If I'm going to lose my dad, I want to know that there is life after death, that he will be with you. And even as I prayed in the days after that, it just felt like silence. And then my dad died. It was September 15th. I missed the call. The hospice nurse had called me. I wanted to be the one to call my mom, but instead I missed it. Somehow the settings weren't on right, and so she got the call from a stranger to tell her instead of from her son. So I hurried To get ready, got my wife, and we drove to be with my mom on that day. My brother drove to be with us, and we ended up having just a, a really wonderful day, sharing memories and stories and seeing pictures of my dad. And my dad was always kind of stressed as I was growing up, kind of a real reserved person, kind of kept his feelings to himself. In fact, I wasn't sure he had feelings for many, many years. And we saw all these pictures. It was almost like I didn't remember... Him smiling, but now I could see proof as I was a child with my dad smiling. And with my kids, just so many beautiful moments. But it was actually the next day, coming back to my mom's again, that as I was driving, I was just stunned by the sunset. We have amazing sunsets in Central Texas, but this one seemed otherworldly. And as I saw it, I was reminded of my prayer, asking God for proof that he's real, proof that there's hope. And so I took this picture of what I saw that day. I was just amazed at the beauty of God's creation. And I know there's more proof than just a picture of a beautiful sunset. But in that moment, it's exactly what I needed. Reminding me, God reminding me that I can trust him, He has power to create the universe. He can have the same power to give us life after death. Now, I hadn't read the Bible that day my dad passed away. It was too rushed and hurried, and a couple days had gone by, and frankly, I wasn't mad at God. It was more, I was just numb. But I went to the scriptures in order to find encouragement and comfort, and I wasn't sure where to even begin, so I just opened my Bible app to see what was the verse of the day, and it happened to be this one, Psalm 27. It says this, wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. I needed a supernatural strength I did not have, and God reminded me I could wait, and I could trust him I was so moved by that one verse, I read the entire psalm, and in that psalm it says that God is our light and salvation, that there's no reason to fear. It even mentions dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. It talks about how though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Now my parents have never not been there for me, but now my dad is gone. He cannot be there for me like he had been. But God is with me. The last two verses of the psalm said this. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. There is a life beyond this one. We can entrust the one we may have lost to God. Regardless of how they may have lived their lives, we do not know what God may have done in their hearts. We don't know if they've reached out to Jesus at some point in their life or in their final moments, but we can entrust the God who loves us with them. We can entrust those we've lost to him. The next day, I opened my Bible app again, and I was surprised to see this verse in September. It says this, Jesus was in a conversation with Lazarus' sister, And he tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? It was as if Jesus was asking me that question. And I could tell you so many miraculous things that happened over the course of those several days that without a doubt I could say, yes, I do. I believe that you love me. You loved us. You gave your life for us and that you rose from the dead, that you offer us life, eternal life, and all who trust you can spend eternity with you. I want to ask you the same question that Jesus asked. Do you believe this? I don't mean theoretically, like you understand it, it all makes sense in your head. I mean, do you believe this? Do you trust with your heart that God loves you, invites you into relationship with him, that he wants to guide you to become who he's created you to be? Do you believe and trust that Jesus died on the cross for you and defeated death for you and me? Do you believe that your purpose is to experience a relationship with him where you're experiencing his love and peace and joy and bringing that love and peace and joy to those around you? Bringing more of heaven to earth, wherever you are. Where do you need God's love and victory in your life? Where do you need God to bring death to life? Jesus gave everything for us that we might experience forgiveness to be restored in relationship with God who wants to do life with you and me, wants to bring freedom and victory to those dead places. The band is going to lead us in a couple of classic songs. The lyrics describe perfectly what Jesus did for you and me. And during this, I want to invite you to just connect with God. Just pray, God, is there something in my life that's that's dead that I need you to bring back to life? Is there something in my life I need to surrender to you? I just want to invite you to stand with us, and let's sing this. Song. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, that Friday night, death seemed to win, but Sunday was coming. says in the scriptures on that Sunday, Mary, Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You were looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is in here. He is risen from the dead. The stone was rolled away. Death could not hold Jesus. He brought victory over death, our greatest enemy. And God can bring victory over any area in your life that needs to be resurrected, that needs new life. I want to teach you something the ancient church has done for centuries. It's called the Pascal greeting. It's really simple. One person says, He is risen. And the other person says, Ah, some of you know it. So let's say it together He is risen. He is risen. The resurrection of Jesus was foretold 700 years ago. In Isaiah 53, it says this Although you make his soul an offering for sin, and he will see his offspring spiritual children, and he will prolong his days. Resurrection. And the will of the Lord will triumph in his hand. Out of the suffering of his soul, he will see light. God told us in advance what he actually would do in history. He brought victory over all our sins and failures, over all the evils and injustices, over all the brokenness and woundedness of humanity. He conquered death itself to bring life to you and me. Doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done or failed to do. It's all forgivable. Jesus paid it all. Will you give him your life? trust. Will you lay down that stone and let his life come into you? God does not force us. He gave us free will. He created you for his love. But love requires freedom to choose. You can't buy love, bribe love, or force love. But God demonstrated his love in that he walked among us. Gave his life on the cross. Defeated sin and death. Have you ever chosen to follow Jesus? Maybe that's what that stone represents. Maybe it represents trying to play God, the God of your life to make things go your way. But today, you'll give it to him. He can make something beautiful out of your life and you'll love it because it's why he created you. There's one more thing that this stone represents. When we give it back to Him, He turns it into something new. All of us spend so much effort and energy trying to prove ourselves to the world, trying to be somebody, trying to make a name for ourselves or get people's approval or attention. But only God knows the real you and what you're worth. And He wants to bring you peace instead of that frenzied, anxious striving to prove yourself. Listen to what the risen Jesus says in Revelation chapter 2. To everyone who is victorious, I will give to each one a white stone. And on that stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands. Except the one who receives it. In the presence of Jesus, all that we experienced, all the wins, all the losses, all the ups, all the downs, will all make sense in his presence. You'll have an inside joke with Jesus who knows you more than anyone on the planet, who created you for life and relationship and invites you into the fullness of that life. He sees you as his masterpiece. That's what the scriptures call you. There may be some mud on that masterpiece, but he can bring the healing, the cleansing that we need. So here's what I want you to do this Easter. Give your life to God. Trust him with your life, your heart, your future, your dreams. If you've made this decision in the past, then maybe this stone is representative of what you've surrendered to him today, the part of your life that you're asking him to make new. But maybe you're doing that for the first time. You've never yet followed Jesus. All it requires is just saying, Jesus, forgive me. I need what you did on the cross to count for me. Lead me, heal me, guide me. Allow him to be your leader, your Lord, your Savior, your rescuer. And if you are making that decision today for the first time, I'm going to invite you to come to the front and lay it at the cross on either side. And then after the service, I'm going to invite you over here. I have a gift I'd love to give to you, just a couple minutes to encourage you. Or maybe you're here and you've wandered away in your walk with God. And today is a chance to restart, to recommit your life to Him. I'm going to invite you to do the same, to take this rock and put it under one of these crosses. You'll notice lots of rocks under these crosses. Lots of people today reconnecting or connecting for the first time. You're, gonna, you're in a room of people who love you, who want to cheer you on, even as we're doing now. So I want to invite you to stand and during the song, connect your heart to God and trust Him.